and welcome to another episode of Overdrinkers. My name's Mike Burge. I'm the host of this podcast. I host it. Nobody else does. That's me. It me. The voice right now. That's what I sound like. So for the rest of the podcast, when you hear this voice talking, it is in fact Mike Burge, me. Now, there's going to be another voice here with me. Uh, I've got a uh, returning champ to the Overdrinkers table. He is also one of two sexy little hosts from over on Hot Takes. You might have also caught him on a few Cathode Ray casts or some real page turners or coming attractions, Batarang, quarter mile at a time. We have a lot of shows. And this guy makes each one of them just insanely worthy of listening to. He is... A dear friend of mine. Unfortunately, I couldn't get him here today. Jack is working. So I'm joined by... Robert Anderson. Robert Anderson. It's I'm good glad, to see you. I'm glad that we... I'm glad that... You, I, I was worried that you weren't talking about Jack for a second. Yeah. I was worried that you were... I was like... He, <laughs> I was too for a minute. Yeah, I was like, is he talking about me? Because this is just this is just bullshit. Like, mm-hmm. you're, we're talking about Jack Kolodzetsky, really the sexiest man on the, on the podcast scene right now on the circuit. I mean, honestly, the world has no idea what's coming. No. Once, once he's like his modeling gigs start really like kind of coming out. Like, mm-hmm. he's well, he's just... really leaning into that Doctor Strange love look. Yeah, absolutely. Recently, I've seen that he's he started getting some sunglasses that kind of mirror his actual eyeglasses, mm-hmm. and you know, it really just it he pops. looks he looks like a mad scientist. But again, the body of just an angel. A buff, a buff, very buff, sexy such angel. Such a strong angel. An angel that you cross your fingers that it's DTF. Oh yeah, because mm-hmm. you look at it and you're like, oh, listen, I'm not gonna. We're gonna. There's gonna be consent. I'm not gonna make make you no, do anything. Yeah, absolutely. No, no. no I no. want to make him happy. I want to make. Yeah, I'm doing yeah. this for him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. So moving on because people probably aren't here to hear about that, and if you are, there's more. Mm. Uh, but today we are joining together to talk about a sequel. To a movie that we covered about a year ago on yes. Overdrinkers, we covered uh, RoboCop, um, and uh, Paul Verhoeven's amazing action satire kind of thing. Action satire uh, movie where the action—if you came for the action—it was all there, and then there's a lot of kind of like deeper subtext, mm-hmm. a lot of things at play: anti-commercialism, anti-corporation. Maybe Robot Jesus. Who am I? Mm-hmm. Who am a little I bit judge? of Robot Jesus. In there. Yeah, and RoboCop, like I said in our previous episode, uh, is one of my favorite movies of all time. I can watch the movie time and time again. I grew up with it, and this is something that we'll kind of talk about in this episode, too, because this is going to come up a lot. So today we are talking about, obviously, the sequel, which is entitled RoboCop 2. Mm. Uh, it's 1990, directed by Irvin Kirshner of Empire Strikes Back fame. Um, and, uh, Peter Weller's back, uh, as, uh, the, the titular RoboCop, AKA Alex Murphy. And, uh, before we dive too much into it real quick, as always on Overdrinkers, we have a alcoholic beverage Mm. of, um, some kind of themed around the the movie that we're talking about. So we're going to be sipping on some of these. And what I've, uh, thrown together right now is like a quick little cocktail that I'm calling Nuke, named after the drug uh, that that permeates the uh, the RoboCop two landscape. The weird Kool Aid packets that they inject into their necks. Yeah, the little dips. Yeah, the little, little wax dips. bottles that mm-hmm. you yeah. And so what this is is it's a um, it's a bourbon, mm-hmm. a little bit of lemon juice, a little bit of pomegranate, a slice of lemon, and top it all off with some ginger beer 
You got yourself some nukes there, buddy. So cheers to you. Cheers mm. to you, my friend. Mm. That's very good. Yes. Thank that you. That's very good. I'm glad that you enjoy it. Mm. I got to get more overdrinkers or just get more drunk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotta figure that out. I mean, we just get we, we get drunk on quite a lot. Yeah, but it's, it's the never... Batman's. The Batman's get us. The Batman's get weird. <laughs> <laughs> Batman episodes get weird. Us, for those that don't know, we did a Batarang mini series uh, covering all of the Batman movies. This is actually interesting because this will also come up. We'll be discussing uh, one of the writers of RoboCop Two. Uh, you may not know is Frank Miller. Yes. Uh, he wrote this. Uh, it got touched up. It is not his final draft. It is. On the screen. Apparently it's very heavily touched up. It's pretty much his, his outline is what we're seeing. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're going to talk about too is yeah. that there, there is, there is uh, RoboCop 2 is a uh, very bad movie in my opinion. But I've watched it a lot and I appreciate it. And I think that it's got a lot of saving graces. I think there's a lot of things that you can enjoy about it. But at the end of the day, what makes it a bad movie is something that we've discussed in the past where it's like when a movie is like 80, 90 percent there, but it's missing something. Yeah. This is kind of like they have all of these like subtexts that they're dealing with in this movie that I think they just don't let them go anywhere. They don't go like I mean, the whole idea of RoboCop 2 is that RoboCop's been out on the streets for a little bit and um, the corporation that created him wants to. Uh, make a RoboCop two. They want to. Uh, they want to make him bigger, better, awesomer, yeah. and they want a, a second version of him. And there's that whole subtext with like them. It's like very kind of meta, where they're they're making a RoboCop two and they're trying to make him this. And how do we change it to be able to get it to bright, wider audiences? <clears throat> there was there was a point where they wanted to make the movie PG thirteen, so it could uh, aim more towards kids. But oh, jeez, which is why they have a kid character in it. And that's very much where the him getting reprogrammed later on, which we'll get into, that's where that comes from. It's like if you bring him down to like, you know, asking audiences, what is it you want out of RoboCop 2? What do you want out of RoboCop yeah. 2? And I think one of the main things they miss in this is when they're developing RoboCop 2, they don't just take Alex Murphy and put him into RoboCop 2. Whether or not he looks like that machine that we eventually get. If they change his mind and do everything or even copy his brainwaves yeah. and put that into another RoboCop and then that one ends up going bad. Like I'm telling, I'm saying scrap Kane. As much yeah. as I love Kane, scrap that and make that more of an interesting dynamic between Alex Murphy's subconscious of the new RoboCop that isn't like the original Alex Murphy from the first one. Mm-hmm. And then that Alex Murphy being like, no, 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 no. Kind of like a ship of Theseus kind of thing, where it's like if you move all the, if you change all the parts of the ship, it's still the same ship, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And that would be, I think Absolutely. that'd be interesting when you're dealing with how much of the man is still left. And at the end of the first one, we're shown like, oh, he's there. He's Murphy. Yeah. I mean, the movie posits, and I kind of wish it did more of this, but kind of how much of Murphy's humanity is really intact and how much of ownership of that humanity does he really have? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the beginning, you know, when I was watching this movie, I, I watched the first half of it last night, and then I woke up early this morning to finish it. And when I was watching it last night, I remember thinking, like, this movie fucking rocks. Mm-hmm. Like, this movie's so cool. I love the pieces that I was picking up. It starts with some real, like, kind of world struggles, police on strikes, um, drugs on the market, things like that. It was only slightly twisted in this sci-fi angle. 
the scene where Murphy talks to his wife again oh. and him being like on basically on isn't trial. It, isn't it great where it's, that subplot it's goes? Amazing. Well, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like, what are you doing? It's, it's crazy because the first act of this movie, I think, is A plus material. I think Absolutely. Some really good world building. Some really like what has the world of this dystopian Detroit been up to since Robocop mm. One. And I think it, I think it all works really well. And then you're right, all these like really great threads, and especially it's it's just a, it's a crime that they're not exploring Murphy's humanity. That should no. be that should and be that's what the, the movie is about. Because that's what RoboCop's about. It's yeah. half man, half machine, all cop. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it, it's just really like I'll say when I say it's a bad movie, it's because the movie lets me down every time I watch it because I go, oh, that's right, this is so cool. Oh, that's right, with the dirty cop who like ends up getting like his his guts like ripped out. Like, oh yeah, this is really neat. All these set pieces are cool. The movie's got a pretty pretty decent sense of humor. I think also the action in this movie. Um, when you're watching, I remember watching the first RoboCop being like, you know, I could get down with some of this '80s jankiness. Like, mm-hmm. this is okay, but you know, it definitely looks dated. I think in this movie, some of the action really holds up. Like, you know, it's not Terminator Two. No. But like And it's like a year before Terminator. Year before, two. but like mm-hmm. some of those action set pieces are really cool. What they've done with the suit, which I think they made it all fiberglass in this one, like he moves a yeah. lot better. A better. I think he moves a, he moves a lot smoother. Some of the things that bug me is like when his like uh arm glove gets like moved out of socket. Yeah. And it's just like it looks like there's a person in there. Right. It's it's kinda like a they they threw like a kind of bluish purple sheen on it. Which I kinda like Looks cool. I looks like cool. it. But I, I think the movements are much more, like, mimey. Remember we talked about Peter Weller, like, took mime less, like, right. practice with mimes to be able to kind of get the robotic feel of it down. But in this one, like, there's, like, things where I'm like, this guy is not a good tactical cop. Because it takes no. him forever to just, like, get to a door and, like, like, it's forever. And I'm like... This guy would not do too well in a firefight because he, but then all of a sudden when he's fighting, he doesn't have that same motions. And I think they're just kind of, yeah. I, I think Peter Weller is checked out in this movie. I don't think he really wanted I mean, I think, to do this. I think when I was doing some of my, my research, which really just kind of is me going on like the trivia page on IMDb or mm-hmm. Wikipedia, which is, I think, how you get a lot of that good, inf- it, that, that good info. Yeah. But he didn't, he said he liked working with um, Irvin Kirchner. And, but he did say that he felt the script was like kind of lacking. Like it's, I think, kind of ironically, it's spine and it's soul. <laughs> and uh, and I can agree with that because you know, again, like we get, we have shades of a movie that's a continuation of the first one. And when you're when you're making a sequel, it's good to you got to pick up the right pieces. I think a lot of movies when you do sequels, they pick up the wrong pieces and they run with that ball. Mm-hmm. You gotta pick up the right ball. And I thought in the beginning of this movie, I was like, we're gonna get that sequel that I want. That's not it. And it starts out like that. It does start and that's, like that. But it's just like, I mean, the third act in this, like the whole end fight scene and everything <sighs> is just like a complete ripoff of the first one and it's just not done as well. I mean, it's him versus Ed 209. I think it looks, Only it looks it's a like, little it's bit upped. better. It's I think it looks upped. a little bit better than Looks. It looks yeah. a little bit better. But subtextually, yeah. There's, there's it's the exact there. same thing. He just shows up with a gun. Where'd you get that gun? Where have you been? Like, RoboCop disappears from this movie for, like... Like, a lot. A lot of it. There's, I mean, the 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 the, the, the animatronic uh, Murphy that they have, that's just, like, the torso up. Yeah, yeah, That's some really cool work, like, done in 1990. Like, that Absolutely. looks like the actor. It, when, he's, when he's all, like, bugged out and taken yeah. apart, like, uh-huh. that's, that's some good... <laughs> 
And like that again, like that shit. It's really after his dismemberment and like kind of getting put back together and given the wrong directives. Mm-hmm. It's up until then that I'm on board with this movie. Mm-hmm. Even and like even the weird shit that like if you just sold people on this a little bit better, yep. I'd be into it. Even if you like, take your time with it. Yeah. Tell me, I was hoping like the weird mafia kid. I was like. Tell me that that kid's like he has like kid disease, where he's like Benjamin Button disease, where he's like <laughs> suck as like a five year old. Like, give me some weird. I'm in this world. I'll believe it. Mm-hmm. He took so much of this drug that he just looks young forever, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll whatever you tell me, I'll believe. I really like that it's a kid and that they go completely for that. Uh, that like the like one of the first things he says, like, can't shoot a kid, can you, fucker? Yeah, and like you, it's and like they think, lean in. You think that's gonna come back later again, and mm-hmm. it's like. And, like, that kind of weird, like... I don't know if I'm on board with this Benjamin Button thing, but it's an interesting idea. Something something to, like... I got you. I get, you I, know I get what I'm what saying? Yeah, like, I know what you're saying. It's like, it's, make that kid interesting. He's interested... What, why the fuck is he there besides he's just a kid? Right. That's the Give only interesting thing about him. Yeah. Like, oh, it's a kid doing the things that adult criminals do. And it's like, all right. Cool. Where are you... It's like, uh... You, I'm cold. I'm cold. That scene's kind of good, too, though. I like that scene. I won't leave you. Stay. You're gonna have this entire fucking thing with a kid criminal and RoboCop, and you're not gonna draw any parallel at all with Murphy's son. Which which you show him the son in the beginning. You show uh-huh. us the, the son and his family life. Show me his wife dating another dude. Uh-huh. Show give me. That's that's the movie I want. Mm-hmm. Well, it's his wife. The subplot that they don't go anywhere with. It's really interesting because she's finding, he's stalking her, and yeah. she's like, "That's my husband. What you're doing is inhumane. You need to turn him off." Like she's suing them to turn him off. And they because want him. and then they're like, "It's not your husband. It's just a fucking machine." And then they convince him to like, "You need to convince your wife." That you're just a machine. You're destroying her. You can't give her anything. Can you give her love? And that's what the movie should be about. He's presented with this idea that because of him being a robot, that he is no longer capable of loving um, a woman on the level that like a soulmate or a companion would need. And I think that the movie either needs to really teach him that as a fact or the opposite and show that he can. Um, Because he's probably got a really good robo dick. He's probably got a fire robot. Well, like accessories. Yeah. You can hook a little, like, uh, do something. Like some bearings up down there. Whatever. Cheap. Yeah. It's not like homeboy can't go to the grocery store or, like, do errands or do some shit no. that a spouse you need to do. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he can he can do those things. Probably better than a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Let me toss at you real quick. Throw it. My, Throw it at my, face. my version of what should have happened in the beginning of this movie. Uh, he gets shot by the kid, and remember, he starts glitching out, right? Yeah. And he starts seeing images of, like, his wife and all of that stuff, and he can't see. And in that moment when that happens, he sees someone come around a corner attacking him, and he shoots, but it's a hostage. And he just killed a civilian. Now, the corporation is trying to take RoboCop off because he's one of the only cops that's still on the street. And they're going to use this as leverage, and they get his wife to come in to also sue to turn him off. And she's unwittingly going along with their master plan. And so what they decide is, they say, what we're going to do is we're going to download Murphy's core concepts because he's the only RoboCop that's ever been able to survive. You see those ones that, like, shoot themselves and kill really great Bits and oh yeah, those again. Those are great. It's it's the same gag from the first movie. But Absolutely. Like, yeah, I'll watch that again. It's great. The commercials are all really good too. As a side note, mm-hmm. they're all perfect. Yeah, and so they 
they say they're going to discontinue RoboCop. And so they download Murphy's like core values and all that stuff that made him the most suitable thing. And they put it into a bigger, better RoboCop. Yeah. And they, they shell the other one. They put it away. They turn it off. And now you've got RoboCop 2. And it's still, it, and it's, you know, it can be more of a machine, uh, not Peter Weller's face. Yeah. But it's still, Murphy is in there, but with all of those Directives. new things that they put in them where it's like, isn't the moon beautiful today? And it's an obvious, like, this thing is not going to stop crime. They did this on purpose to do that. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm saying. Get rid of the Kane character. That's RoboCop 2. And then all of a sudden, Murphy's values start getting destroyed by these uh, blah, 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 blahs, all these yeah. new programs. And he goes bad. Mm-hmm. And then they have to turn on the other RoboCop, like the original Murphy, oh, to go Murphy. and stop yeah. him. Like that's nope. a that's and in that you can do this whole thing where it's like you can follow the wife and you can follow the son and you can see like what's exactly going like you is that a perfect plan? Like, no, but I think it's more interesting at least than what they give us, which is him just kind of walking around, just doing nothing really. Nothing. Especially, especially in the 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 second half of the movie is just really like, him doing. He nothing. shows up at places. That's it. He's and, just like hello. He, he either fucks the things up. Or kills a bunch of people and doesn't succeed in capturing anybody. Mm-hmm. That's all that happens. And the movie the movie thematically should be about all the way through what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be mostly machine but want to keep humanity? And how do we challenge your directives, your core values? Mm-hmm. What does that mean to a character like Robocop? Robocop is the most interesting character in the movie. No shit. He... I mean, I think, I, a, I think he's... I, I really like the mayor. <laughs> I don't think I like I'm not a Detroit! He literally just... What? How did this guy get voted into office? He I, is like... He's, he's just hysterical. At the drop of a hat, time. he's like, oh, fuck! Fuck you, I can't believe you're doing that. He just loses his mind in every scene. It's crazy. What was he like in like the primaries, like in the in the lead up to the election? They must have really. He must have been going against some really dry suit. And he was like, like, this guy really speaks his mind. <laughs> yeah. You oh, know? Oh, Make a what is what's the slogan in this movie? Make made in America great again. We're gonna make that mean something again. We're gonna yeah, make that it's mean like something made again. in America. On IMDb, they actually like made, which I think is kind of ridiculous. Okay, someone updated the trivia, being like, and that slogan's almost identical to President Donald Trump's "Make America Great Again." I'm like, hmm. good for you. Yeah, I get like I get. I don't think Donald Trump watched RoboCop too. Uh, actually, or he might have really actually, liked it. he probably has. Mm. I mean, an, an interesting thing about RoboCop 2 and, like, the 90s, this came out in 1990, and that was a huge sequel reboot adaptation year. Kind of, like, a lot like what we saw, like, in the past couple years. Yeah. Like, that year alone, there was Die Hard 2. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, there was there was a couple more, and they're escaping me now. But there was Again, a some real lot fran- of them. Some, like, franchises kind of yeah. starting. And, and there was, like, also, yeah. like, a, you know, like, this was the same year that, like, uh, Home Alone came out. You know, like, to really put you in, like, where they are in 1990s, it's, like, it hasn't gotten, like, the aggressive edge that the 90s are known for yet because it's just still coming out of the 80s. And there's that kind of sense of, like, oh, all right, action movies. I think we know what we got going on here. And that's why I think RoboCop 2 is really just a lot of recycled ideas from movies that have been released in the past five years. Yeah. You know, there's definitely a lot of the original RoboCop in there, and they kind of take that flair and that attitude. But I think, honestly, the people that are making this are kind of, they are morons when it comes to understanding 
the irony that made the satire in RoboCop work. Oh, yeah. I don't I think that they're like, isn't it funny the cops are on strike? It's like what's funny about that? Nothing. Just like cops being on strike, isn't that funny? I'm like, well, yeah, it's a little goofy, but like, are you gonna say anything it's with that? Silly, no, but no, it doesn't, they'll just like, do they'll just anything. not be on strike anymore yeah. at the end. Oh, are all the cops on strike? No. Who? So like, who are like the scabs and stuff that are in that are in there that are like, who? Why the the what? Wh- why is it who? so? What? Why is it so hard not to make it cops versus RoboCop? RoboCop yeah. is the scab. Yeah. Why is that? They not, call them that when they're coming. Why in. is that not the fucking movie? <laughs> Like, why is that not what the movie's about? It hurts. You know, we're talking, we're dissecting it now. I, because I loved watching this movie. Like, so pro- mm. I was pretty jazzed about it. I'm like, it's I'm very, really... it's very fun to watch when it's you're in it. Even super... the ending, you're like, this is a lot of fun. Even in my, like, I have my notes in front of me, and like mm-hmm. a lot of it's like kind of trivia factoids. But in like, I have a little opinions paragraph. But one of the things I kind of wrote to myself, I was just like, the movie's entertaining. And, Can, and can't the, argue that. The thing is, like, if, if a movie's, if you're watching Transformers. There could be a bunch of shit blown up. You know, Optimus Prime could be like punching through everyone's face and blowing shit up and then dying and then betraying people and then maybe being King Arthur. If it's not entertaining, I don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. But if you at least make it like Hurricane Heist, the movie we just recently Perfect saw. Perfect example. That movie totally fucking sucks. But I had such a good time watching it, which to me is just like, does that mean it's a bad movie? I would argue no. I think it's a good movie. Yeah. I think Robocop is. Is a good movie, but when we're looking at it critically, and if, you know, I think you and I, especially you and me in the past year, because I only saw RoboCop the first time Mm -hmm. when we did The Overdrinkers, we have a love for that movie, especially its thematics, especially what it's talking about. Mm -hmm. And now to, like, watch this movie and be like, it's definitely fun. It definitely feels like if someone was like, we made the Universal Studios RoboCop ride, like, this this is what this would be, for sure. Mm -hmm. But there's none of, like, you know, the things that... I think RoboCop's a good enough character where don't be afraid to add some controversial, some real character developing shit, you know? Take risks, yeah. Like yeah. the first the first RoboCop took risks. Mm-hmm. And I think that it came out on top as like one of the great American movies. Like it's about America and about yeah. what it means to like live in this society that is like ruled by corporations and police and uh, marketing and the media like it's what it's a very fun the the venn diagram or kind of like the triangle of like corporations and police like really kind of melded together mm-hmm. you know? yeah absolutely like it's and it just it, it's it's like the mo- i i say it's a bad movie because it has every like the track is set for them going in and all they got to do is just take it to a more interesting place, uh, build on the ideas and the themes yeah. of what the first one is trying to say. And they just completely disregard it right off the beginning where like Murphy's just like, well, I'm still Robo Kippen instead of being like, I'm Murphy, yeah. you know, and he should have been this time been like struggling to find his Murphy. Like, I feel like in the time between RoboCop 1 and RoboCop 2, mm-hmm. in my mind, it's him having a lot of like solitary time to be like digesting like how am i murphy am i murphy maybe he's like trying to put on murphy's clothes again maybe he's trying to like just something just interesting himself into that into his human mold again, i'd be willing you know? to take any like bat-brained idea for attempting to in some way figure out how to humanize yeah uh the the man that's inside the machine and the movie really doesn't go anywhere to do that uh, besides the fact of like having him like interact with his wife and pretty much just like tell her like yo get out of here like 
He's gone. And again, like that's a great scene, and like they they do it. They, they it sucks because like it, like what you said about laying down the tracks. The beginning of the track works right, mm-hmm. and it's crazy. You know, seeing Terminator One to Terminator Two, and in Terminator Terminator Two kind of does exactly what we want out of what we would want what we would have wanted for RoboCop Two. Mm-hmm. It's humanizing the robos. It humanizes Arnold Schwarzenegger by teaching him what human is mm-hmm. and teaching him what sacrifice and what love is and what it means to cry. Mm-hmm. And it's still, it's bombastic. It has explosions. It has characters. And the human condition is like prevalent in the movie. Whereas in this, it's just like, it just, it doesn't go off the rails. It just goes, it just turns into like a, an action movie that, as Peter Weller said, doesn't have the spine or the soul that the first one had. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's just it's upsetting because you want it to be good, and it starts out and you're like, interesting, okay, cops are on strike, gotcha. So we still got like the the news anchors and the and the weird like commercials and stuff. Okay, that gotcha. Stuff works. Corporation trying to take over a city and like monopolize citizens and just like their lifestyle and the social culture of that. The, Interesting. Yeah. yeah. The Sell, social, selling a lifestyle as a product and the, a city as a product. The social gentrification. I mean, the mayor kind of brings it up again in the the most hysterical way he knows how. But like when they towards the end of the movie, when they're just like, yeah, we're gonna build skyscrapers, glass buildings, mm-hmm. and people will be able to live. It's like, what about neighborhoods? It's like. Seems like neighborhoods only cause trouble, which is like, that's gentrification right there. Absolutely. Like, that's exactly what it And means. he says, like, who's going to vote for, like, nobody voted for you. And he's like, everybody, anybody can buy stocks in these buildings or buy these buildings for the right price. What's more democratic than that? That's capitalism. And, it, and that's yeah. capitalism. And again, that's a very interesting thing. That exists solely in two minutes at the end of the movie. Yeah. It's barely discussed before that. The lawyers and everything, they're saying they're trying yeah. to monopolize we literally and, just and take We described two lines of dialogue. Yeah, and, and that's, that, all, that's all it really that's is. It. Everything yeah. else, like the idea is just kind of fluttering. And it's there in hindsight, and maybe it's there if like you're super smart and you kind of understand like, oh, this is what they're going for. But at the end of the day, like they don't really let you like marinate mm. in that idea and mm. let you really consider it and give you anything... It's not giving me its opinions on it. It's no. presenting it like capitalism is a thing, isn't it? And I'm like, yeah, I'm aware capitalism is a thing. What do you think about it, movie, to make me think about your opinion on it? And they don't have any. Which is Get weird, bad. Because like Ro- Robocop 1 has an opinion on commercialism, capitalism, and I think what it means, like what, what 80s in America means. And like, you know, Robocop 1 is saying these things are bad. But still, RoboCop 1 ends in a way... This is why I think RoboCop 2 is like... It's it's predicated on a sour ending. Because mm-hmm. in RoboCop 1, it's not like they tur- it's not like they mercy kill Murphy. It's not like they try to give him his humanity back. It ends on them being like... Because RoboCop is the symbolic visual for being a cop that has been betrayed by America has been put together by capitalism and is let loose on the streets because just humans just can't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. And it's just him being like used, thrown away and kind of put together again. Mm -hmm. So for Robocop to not fix that by the end of the movie and then Robocop 2 do nothing about it, like there's nothing you can really do about that character because the first one's not going to resolve that fundamental issue 
Because no. the, the whole movie's making a comment on those things. Yeah. It's saying... And it ends with him being like... He's still alive. He's still I'm alive and I'm Murphy. Now the second one can say like, all right, well, so what does that mean? And it, to- it like retcons it, basically. It does. Yeah. And it's just like, why? And the reason is so we can make more Robocops. Because mm-hmm. if Murphy's too busy... Because if Murphy is really going on this journey to find his humanity, he's going to stop being Robocop. Because mm-hmm. that's what that person would do. Once they kind of put it all together, you know, I'd be like, I shouldn't mm-hmm. do this anymore. I mean, and we're discussing like how this movie drops the ball in comparison to the original, you know, like, and that's not to say like the movies steadily get worse as they go. Yeah. Robocop say, I'm excited. 3 we got to do Robocop 3. Robocop 3 is an, is, is, is an abysmal piece of shit. Yeah. It is PG 13. Oh, jeez. It feels like it was shot for TV, and at one point, RoboCop gets a jetpack. I can fuck. I, see, that doesn't even fuck your face me. when I said that. You you broke. And because you haven't seen you haven't seen the uh, the reboot, the recent reboot with Joe Kinnaman, no. right? With my boy, I mean, I with think my we'll, boy Joe Kinnaman. We have to maybe discuss towards the end of this episode, or even off mic, what Overdrinkers RoboCop twenty nineteen is going to look like. Because mm-hmm. if we keep going. And you proved to me how bad it gets. I mean, I'm just loving. I mean, this came up on a whim. We just did RoboCop because it was one of my favorite action movies, and I thought it'd be right up your alley. So yeah, I is. wanted to share it with you and talk to you about it. And then we were talking about, wow, we're coming up to the one year anniversary. Want to do RoboCop two? It's pretty interesting to talk about because yeah. there's a lot there to like, and there's a lot there to not like. Yeah, but like, what yeah. what what is what will the future of Overdrinkers RoboCop miniseries be? Who knows. Who knows? Who knows? Yes. Uh, but uh, this seems like a good place to take a break real quick. Uh, and then when we come back, we will discuss a little bit more about the movie and things that I really, really dig about the movie, especially yeah. some of the characters, some of the action scenes, death scenes are awesome. So. There's some stuff I really like the movie. I yeah. like about the movie. And my favorite quote is, waste makes haste for time is fleeting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two and in the bush. Two in the bush is worth one in the stink. Oh, I don't, I don't think he says said. that. No, I'm pretty sure. That'd be interesting if he said that. I'm not finished. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> it's the thought that counts. It's the thought that counts. You have the right to remain silent. You're reading Miranda to the a corpse. corpse. I'm having trouble. That seems really funny. Dude. The, the really bit funny. is good. Oh. I like the bit. We'll talk about it more when we come back. Absolutely. All right. Hello. Welcome to another episode of It's Fits, where Story Screen's film laureate, Brian Robert Fitzgibbons, speaks on a film. Today... Fitz will discuss the 1987 Paul Verhoeven film, RoboCop. Shit, RoboCop. Not starring Michael Keaton, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> I've never seen RoboCop 1, 2, or 3, but I'm pretty sure the dude from the 70s show is RoboCop, the dad. I don't remember the dad's name in the 70s show, but he was a pretty good character in that show. But RoboCop, never saw it. Seems fucking lame. I know they made a new one, and I'm hoping that Michael Keaton's in it.
but he probably isn't. And I don't know. I don't have much. Somebody should like tell me if it's a good movie worth watching because I don't think it is. Robocop. Suck. It's a good movie worth watching. One, two, or three? One. Okay. I don't know. It's just cheesy. I like. I hate that I said it's cheesy because it's not. That was the worst one. This has been another episode of It's Fits. For more on Robocop from the Story Screen family, check out episode 13 of our podcast. And welcome back. Uh, so we are continuing our conversation on Le Robocop. As they say in Francois. Uh, Canada. Oh, yeah. Well, that, that was both. Canadian. You did a Canadian? That was Canadian. Was it like uh, French, like Central Canada, or was it... Northern. Northern Canadian? Mm-hmm. That's like the only uh, like Canadian dialect that I think that I can really like... Nail that you just Nail did. where it's like, yeah. yeah like I, I mean, and I think that I did... I think it goes without saying that I did a pretty good job. Absolutely. Doing that. Well, yeah. when, when you were reading the... Uh, you know, when they pegged you to do the Wolverine origin pegged? story. Yeah, pegged. It means when they choose choose you. Uh-huh. When they pegged you to do the, you know, the podcast about Wolverine that they're putting out right now. And they, Why does they, that word sound familiar? Pegged? Yeah. I think it was a word that you used a lot and um, it might be like a weird sex thing. Oh. I'm not really sure though because you know I only I don't watch pornography and and oh sex, me, me neither the sex that I do have is, is very wholesome and, and respectful of my my uh-huh. girlfriend so. yep mm-hmm. yeah but when they pegged you to uh, to be Wolverine's voice in the in the version of his origin story I thought that that's such a good choice because Burge is known for his Northern Canadian accent Wolverine isn't from Canada I thought he is from Canada no that's where he was hiding out after he lost his memory hmm. James Howlett is, in fact, uh, I believe, from uh, the South. The South? The South. The South? Mm-hmm. Well, do we just end the episode now, or do you want to keep going? Oh, no, yeah, we could talk about RoboCop, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. So, um, Tom Noonan as Kane, I love. I He's like, pretty cool. I like the idea, this kind of, like, religious... A cult figure that's using drugs to like kind of like press their version of paradise and like um yes you know this kind of uh uh tranquil nirvana like oh only through drugs can we attain that and he starts coming out with different colors and yeah, like uh, yeah, you yeah. know like oh and this one does a blue sapphire he, he has mm-hmm. the good stuff it's got my teeth jiggling use drop more. a little bit of opiate <laughs> It's the, the movie, everybody's having a blast making this movie, I think. Yes, I hope so. Except for Peter Weller, he's, who he's is out. not happy to be here. He's definitely done. And it's it's a bummer because there's kind of too many bad, there's too many unique bad guys. Because you can't have this religious like leader, this religious cult leader. Who's obsessed with Elvis. Who's, who's obsessed with Elvis. But... Only because we're shown Elvis's body. He never does anything or says anything. You just or know that he's presents that. I mean, yeah. I don't even know what the fuck that thing's doing there. But the the Elvis corpse. I I, re- I is that Elvis's corpse? Did he just find somebody else and dress him up like him. I literally rewound the movie because I'm like, am I missing like a deep 
contextual meaning behind Elvis like kind of being there. Mm-hmm. You not like the beer? Oh no, I do. It's uh, the coffee. It's got a my palate. I'm switching. Yeah. I'm switching from you know bourbon and pomegranate to, to a like coffee a coffee rye beer. pale ale. Yes, my mouth needs a moment. It's kind of like going from like uh, <laughs> the meat sets. I'm just gonna make a robot. I'm not gonna fucking do it. Go you on. guys know exactly what I meant. Yeah, we all we all we're all there. We got it. But it's it's too it's distracting to have. I okay again. I like the kid villain. It's so distracting that he's there. Mm-hmm. It's so because it's like why? But I do like that <laughs> when he takes it. over. That's cool. that he's actually like really good at it. Yeah, he's like, oh no, we'll just spark a deal with the mayor and we'll give him like fifty million buckaroonies. Yeah, and the kid gets it. The kid's fifty like, million dollarinos. Yeah, fifty million uh, melons. Fifty million uh, rupees. Rupees, as they would say. Get the show on the road. Mm. This episode is brought to you by HQ Trivia. <laughs> this is an app that you can get on your phone and At you can 3... play for real money against real people by answering 12 questions. 3 p.m., 9 p.m.? Right? 3 p.m., 9 p.m. Cool. Uh, it's a very addictive game. I am glad I don't have it on my phone. Mm. But when you play, I like to help. Cause it's of course, yeah. yeah. That's, that's the, that's that's the, the best part about yeah. it, yeah. And that's... Uh, it's... Okay. Opening shot. There's a guy breaking into a car. Mm-hmm. He gets in the car. All of a sudden, these kind of like uh, like these kind of like restraint like yeah. metal metal restraint bars like come over him, and he gets electrocuted to and death. fried. Yeah, and then uh, Lex Luthor's dad shows up and opens the door and um, lets him drop out. And it's like obviously a commercial, and now it's been presented now as commercial you know for like security commercial. and stuff yeah. like that. It's uh, John Glover is the guy's name. Okay. Um, he's uh, he's. Uh, that was another one that came out uh, in 1990 was Gremlins 2, the new batch. And John Glover was in that as well. Oh, okay. Okay. And okay. so uh, it's, there's like a, it starts off like with a little bit of the same. I think that's how the original RoboCop starts out too. It starts out with some commercials, cuts to news media uh, to tell us like exactly what's going on. Where is Delta City? What is it? What's You're, going on with they it? They use that exposition tool. Where you go to the the you you see what the media is saying about the world, so that very kind of quickly gets in there, which is actually uh-huh. one of the uses. That's like an exposition tool that I actually really like. Totally, yeah, the it new, gets it out there real one, quick. It's in a fun way. It's yeah. always good. What do they say? It's just like uh, the environmentalists are upset that like a nuclear facility blew up in a rainforest and contaminated it, and it's like, man, and they're man, very man. upset. It's like, <laughs> well, when are they not complaining about something? It's like they have that little jab. It's right. like yeah, it's fine and funny, but. It doesn't have like that. It doesn't have like the sharpness or like the like the, the 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 surgical precision that I feel like the comic and satirical beats in the first one have. And again, I think it's like they're not understanding the irony of everything that they're doing. I think that they're just kind of copying at this point. They are, yeah. It's copying. It's almost like a pastiche of itself, and they're not like really sewing these threads together at all they're kind of just left so loose, at all you know and that and that's what i think that's what the iron the irony is the needle that kind of puts the threads together to make the quilt of the movie mm-hmm. and there's no needle in this movie right you know? it's it's like uh you can look at like a uh, gigantic collage like a single yeah. frame that's got a lot going on and all of it you know might be detached from one another but they're a part of a whole and you can see where they kind of interact with one another based on their placement their size uh, the textuality of what they're doing. This movie is more like you have like you know eight 
very nice portraits that are separate, yeah. framed separately, hanging on the wall. And all of them are fun to look at, but there's no connection. There's just wall space between them that's not connecting them together. Like the yeah. the corporation, you know, like Omnicorp, like trying to take over Delta City and create this kind of like city as a product, as like a stock, has like ne- it never connects with um, making RoboCop 2, which is a big deal because they kind of reveal them both at the same time. Yeah. But I'm like, wait, what's RoboCop 2 supposed to do with this city? Like he's going to protect it? What are you talking about? He doesn't seem very built for protecting. He seems no, he's built like, for like shooting the fuck out of people yeah, just, in an auditorium. Like, that's why it's so weird. That's why like your kind of original pitch at the beginning of the podcast where we were talking about like making a RoboCop 2 that is more like like in physicality and in even to make him more like Murphy. Yeah, you could kind of like war machine him up in comparison to Iron Man. Like yeah, he's absolutely. still like it looks the same, but there's definitely like a more aggressive For like sure. totalitarian stance to it. And the thing is like listen, I am very susceptible to when a movie's just like we made a polar dark version of the protagonist mm-hmm. as the antagonist of the movie. And I'm always, I'm like, yo, give me, I'll take that all the time. Yeah, Killmonger, baby. <clears throat> give, yeah, give me that. Give me that I, man. I love that shit. Even Wakanda forever. Mm, right over left. Got mm. it. Good good visual gag. No, I got you. Yeah. <laughs> that one, that one's selling that right now. That was really everybody. good. The audio listeners really like that. Um, so yeah, I'm always, I'm always down for that. Like, just make his suit, like, black or like, you know, just make him look like different branded and have them fight each other at this the is end, funny because you know? that's what they do in the robocop reboot i was about to say like they, they make like tactical black yeah which does not work at all but will they make oh two? at all no well when you show me the one i think last time we did, <laughs> when we did robocop one and you show me the clip of the rebooted robocop i'm like so we're talking we're talking about we're talking about this movie people don't they don't get they don't get RoboCop. They make RoboCop two. They're like they don't understand that movie. I feel like they they they've never seen RoboCop. They're like, hey, make a fucking we're gonna reboot RoboCop. It's about stop right there. What does he do? He's a robot who's a cop. That's all I fucking need. Mm-hmm. Does he get in an accident becomes a cop? Yeah, but the way he dies, I don't give I don't actually give a shit. Mm-hmm. I don't actually give a shit. That's all we need. We can make a movie like that. And you know, and I gotta tell you too, I've recently become a big Kinna fanatic. Kinna? Kinna Joel Kinnaman. Oh, who, who plays. plays Robocop. I recently watched Altered Carbon, which he is the uh, headlining star of. It's mm. really cool show. Uh, kind of falls flat towards the end, but yeah. totally like worth like checking out if you're into like kind of noir sci fi, which I. <clears throat> <clears throat> Uh, I very much uh, it's a little bit of Burgess Alley. If you haven't, if you haven't been able up to tell, my little stink alley. Oh yeah, gets gets right down that crack avenue. Uh huh. Up up the road to. Okay. I, I'm so sorry. I gotta stop for one second. Sure. You have a little thing on your eyeglasses right there. You've got like a little spot. This one. Yeah. Can mm. you get that off? Is that a yeah. scratch? No, I don't think it's. I think it's. A, it's like a gunk. A gunk. Were you cooking? Oh, that is That's so it. much better. Thank there you, you so much. I'm like, no, I'm making eye contact with you and doing podcast love. Right. And I'm like, there's this little, it's a little thing, thing between you and me. You between look, you looking at me. You looked great before. Now you look prestige. Mm-hmm. My other favorite movie. <laughs> you little. <laughs> I was talking monster. to uh, one of the cops that came into the coffee shop that I worked, I, I work in, and we're talking about 
movies, and he was like, you know, it's a movie that no one like really talks about, or I forget what we're talking about. He was, who was this? Uh, I shouldn't try to say his name. Oh, that's very true. You can tell me afterwards. Yeah. Good call on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, like, it's nothing bad, but maybe... Because he, he's about to say, he's like, I like the movies where the cops beat their wives. Like, that's a lot of fun, <laughs> that's right? Like, because that's you know, what I do. Like, that's, yeah. that's, like, what I want to do, but, like, I can't because you're not supposed to. Yeah, and I was just like, here's your You don't want to say his name. No. no but no, uh, We absolutely respect the police when they do a very good job at their jobs when here doing on a, Story Screen When they're doing a very good job at their jobs. And many of the cops in Beacon, New York, are very good people. Yes, they are very good. We are very fortunate. So he was he was just mentioning, he's like, you know, The Prestige is just like, no one fucking talks about that movie. And it's so good. And I was like, like I think Doves like, fell yeah. out of my, like, yeah, that's out like, of my flannel. I was like, my soulmate has come in and he's armed to the tooth. I was, it, I like had, I had tears in my eyes. I was just like, you, you like The Prestige too? He's like, yeah, I love The Prestige. He's like, I thought Inception was okay, but I really like The Prestige. This is a hell of a cop voice that you're doing right I know, now. He's you've also, like, for those that can't see, he, he's like, when he's doing the cop voice, he's putting his, like, hand on his <laughs> hip, or but, like, above his hip, and, like, the wrist is bent. Like, he's very... This, this is this is a, a cop a very, that's in uh, touch with his sensitive he side. He really... When he talks about The Prestige, how can he not? Yeah. Um, but he's, he's also, like, he's, like, one of the more, like, I feel like gentle cops. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard him say anything too bad, which is good. Yeah. But enough about him. Enough about him. Let's yeah. talk about the RoboCop. So, one of the things I, I was reading is, so, Frank Miller's version of the RoboCop 2 script is very loosely in this movie. Basically, the outlines, I think, major set pieces is kind of what we're seeing. Mm-hmm. But they made... Ah, yes, I'm glad you're bringing okay, this up. Okay, so they made a... It's called Frank Miller's RoboCop. It's a graphic novel, I think nine issues put together. That's uh, his direct script adaptation. So I'm reading that. I'm just like, oh wow, I kind of want to check that out. And then I was reading reviews on that, and apparently it is bad. It is bad. <laughs> and I was like, F- have you read it before? Mm-hmm. Is it really that bad? I remember nothing. So it's just the, one of those. I remember nothing. I'm yeah. trying to remember like. I think that when I was reading I was it, because I'm so like, familiar, be so good. Like, because I'm so familiar with the movie, because I used to watch it all the time when I was younger. Yeah. Um, that like there was like this really odd sense of like this nostalgic deja vu, where like there's definitely beats in there, and yeah. you know, like the psychoanalyst shows up and stuff like that, and it's it, it it's funny because it's, it's much more represented. Great- Character to have in right. this movie, and have a I remember psychoanalyst the psychoanalyst right. in the in the graphic novel is much more interesting. And the thing about a graphic novel is, is like you don't have these shitty actors delivering these lines they yeah. don't fucking care about. So you can put your own inflection on the words in the bubbles, just given like the punctuation and all of that stuff, the placement, a little bit what their faces are doing. Absolutely, yeah. and that's I think is uh, is key to uh, Frank Miller being dog shit at writing movies it's not something he's good at it's, no it's insane because he is one of the greatest graphic novel storytellers of our time absolutely and, and i mean and he is that not... because he just like you know he pushed he the pushed the limits yeah. of what it could be and he changed the game very much yes. and i think that it just also needs to be taken into account that like he is uh, very much a uh, a douchebag yeah, um, I also he's very he pretentious. Gets, he's very full of himself. I think he also he gets pushed around by the studios like every time he writes a movie, right? Because I don't think they let him push 
as much as he would like to, even though it seems that, like, all of his movie, like, scripts have, whether he's getting pushed around by the studio or not, don't seem to go to fruition mm-hmm. anyway. Well, I mean, the Sin let City, us, Sin City's let us, right. let us look at Frank Miller for a moment. Mm, um, see what he looks like? He looks like uh, Rorschach in Watchmen. Yeah, he looks like a little like a little demon person. Yes. Um, somebody that you definitely don't want to sit anywhere near, like a bar no. that's not full, like, to be able to, like change the conversation and talk to somebody else like yes. you don't want to walk into a room and it's just him waiting for you not interesting. you don't want it uh robocop 2 is his first movie okay this is the first movie that he wrote and it was heavily touched up and he went on and pretty much like it's just like a bunch of he was uh uh heavily involved in um but again it's not like heavily involved in all of these different like batman things it's because people were referencing the, uh, the Dark Knight Returns and the animated series and Batman Beyond and all these different things, they were just, like, giving him credit. And, like, you know, like, he doesn't have, like, a big movie. I'm looking at his IMDb right now. He, he doesn't very, have a big yeah. movie from 1990, uh, Robocop 2, until 2005, which is Elektra. And he didn't write that movie. He just created the character Elektra. Oh, he created Elektra. He created Elektra. Did he create, he create Daredevil 2, right? No. Okay. No, he he created he created the version of Daredevil that, that we, we know and see, see right now. Absolutely, okay. and then you know, of course, he's got Sin City, fantastic, uh, fantastic. Novel. It really works well because I think Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino, who directed it they in their it. own regards, they get it. They understand the pulpiness and they're able to key it in. Right. Then you've got three hundred. Mm. Everybody's favorite. I want to fuck movie. Yeah, that's the one. If there's anything, yeah, you just said that out of your fucking mouth. And it's <laughs> just so you know, just so everyone knows, Burge did say I that out of his fucking mouth. I have to mouth. stop cracking myself up because it comes as, it comes across as back padding, and I'm not I'm not trying to do that. But I was I liked it. It's um, good. I mean, listen, when I watch 300, I I want to fuck. It's a dig. It's a movie that you can dig. I think. You can get into, yeah, I think 300 in terms of like if you're gonna. I think it's a, got a bad rap memory wise. I think people yeah. remember it being worse than it is. I like and it. And I'm really interested in watching young. it again. Hey, that's not over drinkers. Hey, we can uh, get 300 people to come in and talk about or it. Or we just drink 300 drinks. <laughs> that's a funny idea, actually, though. Like walk around with a microphone and ask 300 different people on the street. What do you think about 300? What do you think about 300 in one sentence? And then we'll just upload that. Uh, and that's, I think the movie where they did the slow motion doggy banging scene was a little weird. Uh, my mom, my mom had to take me to that movie because I was not old enough. Aww. And when that scene happened, it was weird. Yeah, there's some weird shit in that movie. Yeah. Um, and then so after that, we've got the Spirit, which, is which bad, he wrote right? the screenplay and he also directed, I believe. Oh really? I'm gonna double check my little things here. Yeah, he directed the fuck that, out of that, that shit. Movie's movie is supposed to be horrible. It is. It is dumb. Yeah. I watched that movie when I was uh, when I was in the military. We would just like you know we would get movies like shipped to us like family members of my friends and coworkers, oh, okay. my my fellow men in arms. Mm. We would get movies shipped to us, and we, we started coordinating. So like you ask your family for this, I'll ask my family for this, blah 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 blah, and they'll ship it out to us. And my friend got the spirit, and we all sat there and watched it. And these are guys that you know you you just like throw some throw some tits and some guns on there, and they're, they're like into fuck it. yeah yeah. They were watching the spirit, and they're like. This movie makes me feel stupid. And I'm like, that's, that's, yes, that's exactly what this movie is doing. Um, Fucking terrible. Uh, After that, man, I know that there is the big one that's coming up. 
which is obviously Sin City, A Dame to Kill For, which he wrote and also directed so again. I did not see A Dame to Kill For. Did you see I have not that? seen that one either. I've heard mixed I was very excited leaning... to see it, but I just... I've heard it's very middle of the road to not so good. Mm-hmm. I've never heard anything spectacular about it. I've heard nothing good about it. Yeah. Uh, I want to watch it because it's uh, my, sweet, my Sweet Baby Boy. Joseph Gordon-Levitt is in it. Oh, yes. Got some JGL. Do love him. Um... So he hasn't done much lately either, though, right? JGL, yeah. he's he's kind of he's, he's hanging back. Well, he started that like record. He started like this weird kind of like social social media like art collaboration where like he kind of has people on social media help. He kind of coordinates them making art and has this like kind of community thing. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure how good that is. Well, it's cool though. It's cool what he is doing. My God. But give me a looper too. Jesus. Uh, so I'm looking right now at... Uh, oh, my You're goodness. You're in the... Ra- just so you know, Mike Burge is like in the rabbit hole. Oh, my I'm God. Yeah. Right All right. Now. So uh, he's got nothing after that. Um, you know, he created some characters in Jessica Jones from the comics, Daredevil from the comics and Marvel, Batman Telltale series from the comics, uh, Gotham. Sh- scripts and in the world, in the, in the movie sphere. So, so what he's got right now is he's got a screenplay entitled Year One. Guess what that is. Mm. Uh, set for 2019, not even like uh, a big thing going on here. This is very fucking weird. This, is, this has got to be fake. Um, Jose... Luis Garcia Balon is credited as a co-writer, the director, and starring as Jason Todd, the Arkham Knight. Wait, what is this? This is a thing that's on IMDb right here. It's called can, It's called Jason Todd. It's called Year One. It is an action crime mystery slated for a 2019 release. Uh, there's a picture that's just a picture from the comics. Uh, there's no plot. There's one cast member who doesn't even have a picture. Yeah, this can't be. This can't be real. Um, it's on his IMDb. Is it like this an animated funny. movie? Uh, maybe. Um, but it's directed by this guy, uh, Jose Luis Garcia Bailon, who I've never heard of. You don't need it. Who is also lined up to direct <laughs> the Dead Space movie. That's also, I'm telling you right now, that movie's not coming out either. What's this? Uh, Dead Space? It's Dead Space movie. Is the actual title. You ever played Dead Space, Birch? Love Dead Space. Dead Space. One of the best video Dead games Space ever is made. Fucking awesome. Dead Space 2, one of the best sequels ever I made. I love Dead Space 2. Yes, yes, I think, yes. I think a lot of people like Dead Space 2. Yeah, but. and I really enjoyed the uh, the switch up of the uh, scenario in the third one, going on the snow planet. Kind of like I think that's a lot more. of fun. I didn't play the third one. I heard it was a little too pew pewy for me, though. Eh, I mean, that's what those games are. You're like, more... pa 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 pa, shoot the legs off. Shoot the legs off, yeah, but I think it's too, like, too many. The guns are all tactical in the first two and limited. Mm-hmm. And it's a rubber horror, so you don't have that much ammo you have to use sparingly. I, that's I my favorite games. gun in, uh, in video games, too. The plasma cutter? Oh, no, yeah. not... Uh, that's the, the, the basic the handgun. Yeah, the one that goes sideways and vertical. Yep, that is my favorite gun in a video game. I think that... That's that space is like one of the best horror survival horror video games of all time. I, I just say I video really, game. I mean, sure, it's great. I honestly, well. I would say that I would put it on my top ten. Definitely. I think it's a very, very good game. Mm-hmm. I do think that that should just have been the only gun in the game. 
I'm gonna tell you, man. The Just only time one. I use all the other stuff is like when it's needed. Like well, uh, you run there's that big hand. line cutter that you get. That one's all right. And the you need that cool. sometimes when you got a big, you got a lot of a people lot of coming people. at you. And the machine gun was like kind of cool because I had like the try kind of shot on it. That's so, fun. Yeah, yeah that was this okay. is this is like really fun. We should do a, a oh, podcast shit. show about video games because I feel like we have a lot to say about video games. We enjoy video games. We like them. Here's the hard thing, Burge. It's hard to coordinate us to watch a movie that's two hours long and then record an hour of audio. It's like watching RoboCop five times to play and finish one video game and then coordinate with all of our friends who have insane schedules. Yeah, probably like six months would be a good time to be able to get that done. A single game, right? Yeah. So when are you doing your Matrix over again? This Sunday, thank God. (laughs) It happens. Uh, it does. It happens. It Jacksons. It Jacksons. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you should definitely do that. Yeah. Uh, so that's it for Frank Miller. I'm not doing this shit anymore. This is no. fucking sad. It's a bummer though because I should mention too because I didn't mention Frank yeah. Miller helped direct Sin City. Oh, he did help. He, direct he it. helped direct it well, in the nicest way that Robert Rodriguez would be like, "Fuck yeah, dude!" Like, well, apparently yeah. he was on set every day for this movie. And Robocop 2? Yeah, no, I read this. He was he was on set every day and he didn't like do anything. What? So he was there on set <laughs> watching them bastardize this. And there's an account of um Irvin Kirshner every day ripping pages out of the script and saying it was garbage mm-hmm. and Frank Miller just looking at him like more like quotes mournfully. And I was like that's fucking holy. This is uh Irvin Kirshner is He's a he's a motherfucker. The, seems like it. The dude fucks. Yeah. I'm just gonna say that. He seems um, like a guy who might fuck. He fucks. And he's uh you know, he's not um he's not as big as you might think. Like this is the guy that directed the Empire Strikes Back. Robocop 2 is his final was, film. He died looking, shortly after. Which is like a bummer. I was looking at his IMDB and the, and there wasn't too many big things of note that I kind of recognized. I mean you you kind of maybe the the better eyes on that kind of thing. Okay, when I say that he died shortly after this, I mean, this is his final film. He got old enough where he couldn't. I think that he actually didn't die until, like, I don't know. He like, he died, like, ten years ago, like, uh, okay. 2009. This is the last movie. Like still that. his last movie. But this was yeah. his last movie, yeah. And I'm, I'm pulling him up right now. He passed away in 2010. Okay. Okay. Uh, Robocop 2 is, in fact, his, his final thing. And this man, um, with all due respect, has done dog shit. He has done, uh, his final three movies <laughs> are Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back. One of the greatest movies of all time. Mm-hmm. And Never Say Never Again, which for all you oh, Bond fans out there, you will know that this is the unofficial James Bond entry where Roger Moore had already been portraying James Bond for many years. Mm-hmm. And... Sean Connery made a, a James Bond movie as James Bond with a different studio because the rights had looped and it's a very confusing thing and I can't get into it. We're doing an episode about it actually later. I was going to say, is it, is it canon to James Bond or is it? It depends on who you talk to. Well, I guess, I guess uh, it's James never Bond... sold in any of the box sets. Like if you're getting all of them, they never include it because okay. obviously it's owned by a different studio. But there are some people that canon's an odd thing with James Bond. I was, I was just about to say because. How many of them are reboots? How many of them are a singular story, just different actors? I mean, really, they're all just like singular stories. 
the only thing that even attempts to be a reboot is something like Casino, Casino Royale yeah. or even Honor Majesty's Secret Service, which is the uh, George Lazenby one okay. uh, that was right after Sean Connery left. And then he came back and then Roger Moore stepped in. Sounds confusing. Yep. It's very confusing. Yep. Um, he is, I should say, um, he is the director of Eyes of Laura Mars, uh, which came out a few <clears throat> years before Star Wars, which is a very good movie. And I highly recommend checking it out. It's fucking weird. But um, Irving Kirshner's whole thing is that he was kind of like this mentor figure for George Lucas. And that's why when George Lucas was uh, approaching doing Empire Strikes Back, he was kind of like, well, I don't want to direct it because I think that George Lucas hates directing. Uh, it seems like it. Uh, I think also, like, I think the or first... better better term, it doesn't really know how. The first one, I think, also took, like, a heavy toll on George. Like, New Hope. Absolutely. At the time, Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, took like oh, such a toll on him, like medically, physically, like he thought it would kill him almost to mm-hmm. like do another one. Yeah. Um, and so he approached his like mm-hmm. teacher and confidant, um, Irvin Kirshner, to direct it. And I think I've spoken about this on some episodes before about the director's commentary on the Empire Strikes Back special edition featuring Irvin Kirshner. Uh, a few years before he passed away, yeah. talking about Empire Strikes Back while he watches it. Oh, yeah, and he's just like... It is an so, absolute delight. Isn't this so fun to see Yoda do... He is <laughs> a fucking party-filled jelly donut. He is Damn. just... He is... You know, like, the poppers that, like, shoot out the confetti? Yeah. You know that moment when the confetti is as high as it's possibly going to get before it starts falling down to the ground, before you start smelling the, the sulfur? So he's up there. He is a permanent... Like that feeling before all the bad feelings come in from what you just did and it starts going away. He is just that isolated moment. He's so funny. He talks about like making five people develop a way to make R2-D2 stand on his tippy toes for a single shot that wasn't even in the script, making them work all night for 16 hours. They couldn't go home and see their families just because he's like... R2-D2 must stand on his tippy toes, so it, it'll be funny. And it's just that one scene where R2, like, looks in to see, like, what Yoda and Luke are doing. It holds no purpose other than yeah. a gag. And he, like, he made these people stay to it. So he's, he's an a, absolute he's, delight. He's a motherfucker, though, too. He's a motherfucker. He yeah. fucks. Like, okay. that's what I'm trying to yeah, say. Like, the guy lived to a, an amazing age of 87. Like, Good this guy... Him. This guy really fucking pulled it off. Hmm. Um, but not this time. And I think it's because he's got these weird, uh, it's so odd thinking about The Empire Strikes Back and this movie being directed by the same guy, because you'd think what makes The Empire Strikes Back the best Star Wars movie, uh, inarguably, is that it's the most human story. Yes. Is that, you know, we're given like very big bombastic moments at the beginning and the end, like escapes and fights and wars. But most of the movie is really our characters who we barely got to know in the first movie conversing with one another yeah. and like or fucking Mark Hamill talking to a puppet. I think it's a lot what's on the page too, man. I mean like who who it's the guy who wrote the guy who's writing solo wrote Empire Lawrence Kasdan. Lawrence Kasdan, I think, you know I think he's a really brilliant writer. I think that I think that uh to me it seems like Irvin Kushner is like someone who he's a good what we're seeing right now with Star Wars, where mm-hmm. Disney is really trying to get people who work inside studio conditions to these Marvel and Star Wars movies. When we think back to 1990, I think that in the same way studios are tapping Irvin Kirshner, who 
clearly, I think, can work inside. If, if he can do a Star Wars, he can do a RoboCop. You know, he can work with studios. But I think this is all about the script he was giving. And it seems like a lot of the problems about RoboCop 2 come from the page. Mm-hmm. Because it had to go ab- through so ab- many Absolutely, yeah. Know? I mean, so, and this is the thing. Lawrence Kasdan, he also, like, it was a big deal. Like, he was like, I'm going to write The Force Awakens. Yeah. And he wrote The Force Awakens along with some other people. And... J.J. Abrams wrote some of the drafts, too. The Empire Strikes Back, Lawrence Kasdan is central to that. Oh, yeah. By myth only, in my opinion. Lee Mm. Brackett was the other writer of Empire Strikes Back, and she passed away before the movie was even uh, finished. Okay. And this is the girl that... This is the woman that wrote The Big Sleep with uh, Humphrey Bogart and... um, like uh, a real bravo like this is this is a woman a screenwriter who wrote two of like the greatest movies of all time yeah and she count she came on in and i really feel like lawrence kazan is good at doing cool shit and that's all the cool shit in empire and then lee brackett is the heart and soul that makes this thing connect Because even though, you know, I dig The Force Awakens and I defend it and I think that its characters are a lot of fun and I'm very excited to see where they go. The silent majority likes The Force Awakens. Yeah. Just like The Last Jedi. There's not a whole lot of like, it feels kind of alien. Yeah. Which it's allowed to. I it's think, in a galaxy far, far away. They're aliens. Yeah. I mean, but I think there, Force Awakens a, feels just right at home with the rest of the Star Wars. If yeah, absolutely, me. and as yeah. especially as a progressive nature, like coming yes. from Return of the Jedi, I think that the Force Awakens is the only way that you can go. Picking up thirty years later it's, from the events, it's of that. insane to me that anyone can critique it in a way that's so critique critique everything, critique any movie, be have your opinions on whatever you want mm-hmm. it's insane to me that people think that Force Awakens is the wrong direction to take the franchise I mean people that like Star Wars apparently are fucking idiots well apparently people that like Star Wars don't like Star Wars mm-hmm. they want like give me a the Jedi Academy movie oh, You're do- a- are you doing a Watto voice yeah, give me a give me the Jedi Academy you don't know they make a guy who like a Han Solo he does I got a lightsaber let let fate decide oh Jesus oh god now we're just screaming, Sabuba! I put my money. He in. always wins. He always. <laughs> You're gonna die a savior. I don't think he says that, but it sounds like something he'd say. Finish up doing your work and then you can go home. Yippee! You think you're some kind of Jedi? What is he? He's like, I'm a Targaryen. Mind the tricks that don't work on me. Only money. Only money. It's like, Jesus. Oh. You're a stereotype. Um, oh, no shit. Mm, just so is George R. Banks. That movie is Racism. Bad. It's the thing that makes the prequels run. It's the engine. Uh, so... Can I give you my pitch for why I want for RoboCop? Okay, I good. Me- I was going to say, I don't think that that was too much of a tangent because we were just going on with Irvin Kershner and Empire Strikes Back and saying that I don't yeah. think that it's Irvin Kershner or Lawrence Kasdan that really makes the Empire Strikes Back work so well. I really think that it is... First off... Uh, it's 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 my theory. There's sure. nothing to prove these things, but I believe one of them is just uh, is just the fact that the cast is fucking amazing, mm-hmm. and they can read that dialogue and make it fucking sing, and they own those characters. But there's two things. I believe that Lee Brackett was the main soul behind that screenplay. No way to prove that. Sure. And I also think that Frank Oz helped Irvin Kershner direct it. Interesting. Because Frank Oz. Is a phenomenal director. 
Yeah. Anybody who's seen just even like the Little Shop of Horrors knows that, or anything else, like anything Dark Crystal, like for the love of God. Apparently, Frank Oz is just like a treat of a human being. He's fucking phenomenal. Yeah. And so he's there doing Yoda on set, and I think that he was kind of hanging around, and I think that he really uh, pushed things. As well I way. think that he like kind of helped out, and Irvin Kershner it just comes across as like a really nice guy. Who was very, uh, I don't want to say susceptible because that kind of seems like he was coerced, but he's open to like fielding questions and being like, oh, what do you guys think? We're yeah. having fun on set, aren't we? I think he's Mark, a, what should we do? He's a collaborative. Harrison, stop touching Carrie. You know, stop like, it. Yeah. Stop it. It's a, he's a collaborative director. And, you know, Peter Weller said, as much as Peter Weller said he wasn't into the script, he did say he likes working with Irvin. Um, take that as like just people saying nice things about the people they work for so they still get jobs I don't know mm-hmm. but uh, I think when it comes to being a director and maybe even especially in like the 90s and 80s like I think you just have to kind of work with what you're given totally and I think he just got he that's got why script. we got some really special directors from the 90s because there were people that were given things like speed and toy mm-hmm. story and like yeah. different mediums and stuff and they were able to knock it out of the I mean, park like we said in Robocop too there's like nuggets wait wait, wait before we get back to Robocop one more thing okay about Empire Strikes Back Please. and then I'll stop okay and this is going to be controversial. It's almost like we already have overdrinkers about all these Star Wars. This, mm, <laughs> you just wait. There's a big one coming, man. Excited. Oh my god, that that's going to be episode. nuts. Um, the Empire Strikes Back. Another thing that makes it so fucking delight. It's such a delight. Yeah. And this is going to be a little controversial. Um, rest in peace, Carrie Fisher. I absolutely love you. You are a queen. You are my princess. You are my general. I never met you. And in some really small way that even chokes me up now, I miss you. I don't get it. It's not fair. But it's pretty intense. Mm-hmm. Um, it has been revealed that on the set of A New Hope and in between The Empire Strikes Back, Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher had an affair. Okay. Mm-hmm. It was broken off. Uh, different parties say different things. Uh, apparently it was uh, Carrie broke it off. Who knows? Yeah, sounds about right. So, in filming The Empire Strikes Back, Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher are playing one of the most romantic duos, falling in love. Yes. While also both being stuck up little assholes about it. And the sexual tension of the actual actors who are like, I barely probably want to even look at you. And they remain friends and they, they say that. Yeah. But there's always that little thing where like things ended a little ugly and they're pushed into it too soon. See a little bit more of that in Force Awakens. maybe. And I think that. especially in Carrie Fisher, because she's such um, an honest, soulful, emotional, reactive actress, mm. that she, you can see like her disdain for Han Solo in the beginning that is being, ma- that, that is being used to mask this kind of attraction that she has to him, and he gets it because he's a scoundrel. Mm. Scoundrel. Scoundrel. Uh, I think, I think uh, her actual past as a human being uh, with Harrison Ford plays into that, and it makes their scenes together, whether they're just talking or giving each other a kiss on the cheek or holding hands or getting frozen in kryptonite. Kryptonite. Carbonite. <laughs> Oh, it's not Kryptonite. It's not Kryptonite. Like, no, no, it's like, Carbonite. Right. I was like, wait, I no. think I think it makes those scenes yeah. electric, and I think that's another big reason why. Like the Empire Strikes Back is, it's all this stuff just kind of fell right in place, and you made the perfect movie. It's a per- that's the thing. It's a perfect. It's a storm. perfect fucking it's a movie. Fir- it's a perfect storm of right. The things falling into. into it's a hurricane place. heist. It's a hurricane. It's not. The, it's not the hurricane it's heist. It's a hurricane. It's a hurricane. One of many that just keep happening. Yes, I do think. 
and I think that's why in Force Awakens, and I think especially Last Jedi, you're seeing these actors who are owning, like, own these characters more so than the people that ever could create them. Because they're the ones who really create them on set. They're the people who walk away with them. And, like, you know, that's why when I see that Luke Skywalker in Last Jedi, to me, I'm just like, that's the most Luke Skywalker I've ever seen Luke Skywalker be in my entire life. And that's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. Because Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, and Harrison Ford, they are the people who get those characters more so than we can because they are bringing those characters emotionally to places that we've never seen before. Mm -hmm. Sure, people writing the characters, sure, the people directing them are are guiding them, but it's the selling of it Mm -hmm. that they're doing. And I think that's the hardest part. I don't think anybody understands the characters in the Star Wars universe more than the actors. Because the writers come up with it and the directors need to direct the actors into a way of doing it. But the actors are the ones that need to, deep down, understand what the character is and what the actor is. I think Ryan Johnson really got Luke. Mm -hmm. I think that J.J. Abrams really gets Han Solo and, uh, and Princess Leia. But oh yeah, good, totally. Yeah, but I, I think they get it. But I think that it's it's them selling it is that's the hard part, and they're doing because they they could have phoned all those characters in. Mm-hmm. It would have been like, yeah, I guess we don't want more Star Wars. Yeah, but it's because they're not. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like if, if fine, last thing on Star Wars. If Harrison Ford <laughs> taught us anything, it's that a very talented actor knows how to be able to slip right back into the skin of a character from way back when. You know, Indiana Jones, he's just Harrison Ford. Like, there's no acting really thrown on top of that except for kind of like a goofy clumsiness. But, like, uh, Han Solo and um, Rick Deckard, he really slides in. Two characters that really could be the same. Mm -hmm. No, I don't think so. I I I I don't mean that could be the same. I think that, like, for him to revisit could have been just as similar. Yeah, he could have just phoned it in exactly, and it would have worked because it's Harrison so Ford. Different but Han Solo, like, they're very similar in like attitudes and the fact that they both happen to look like uh, teen heartthrob Harrison Ford. So much so. They look exactly like it's him. Crazy. Um, but Han Solo is uh, very arrogant, but like in this kind of like clownish way, whereas Rick Deckard is a scumbag. Like he's, a, he, he's kind of a scumbag. Uh, who's just kind of like, oh, me, 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 and he goes through this event that kind of teaches him, like, huh. Not me. Not me. But, Robocop 2, so, if we may. <laughs> one of the things when I was watching Robocop, and when I first heard about the Frank Miller thing, which I learned, or the Frank Miller uh, direct adaptation for his graphic novel of Robocop, that's a direct adaptation of a screenplay. One of the things I was thinking about and it's funny because this is kind of this is also a Peter Weller joint. Is uh, the Dark Knight Returns animated movie? You follow me? Mm-hmm. Batman's voice by Peter Weller does a fantastic job. That's one of probably one of the best up there with like uh, Under the Red Hood and Mass of the Phantasm. It's it's one of the best like I think um, animated Batman movies. Mm-hmm. Came out in two parts, super good. Definitely recommend it to anybody who loves The Dark Knight Returns and is too lazy to read it again. Um, <laughs> just go, just go. It is, it is a very good adaptation. It is a very good adaptation and it's true to form. It doesn't add or take away anything that's too necessary. But um, give me an animated, R rated, maybe even they go a little bit even like anime, like a little swaggy that way. Robocop 
just reimagining, mm-hmm. but it's the 80s RoboCop, and Peter Weller voices Alex Murphy. That'd be neat. I'd be down with that. I mean, they, they did cool, an animated right? series, very the short-lived. animated series, but that's, that's like... Uh, they've also got this really cool, thing. like... Uh, mini movie series where there's like four animated? mini movies no 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 it's not oh, animated okay. it's live action and uh, they're pretty fucking wild so I, I haven't seen them for a long time I kind of want to ask time. you after Robocop and then Robocop 2 which has the seeds of something good but doesn't fully capitalize on it is there any good Robocop property that exists kind of after the original uh, Robocop, like versus, Robocop versus uh, Terminators that's cool it's a video game, and, and it's, it's, very, it's just an arcade-style, like, scroll-screen video game. Oh, okay. Really fucking cool. Uh, the that. RoboCop games, too, for, like, Nintendo way back in the day were some of the hardest fucking things you could ever fucking play. you think play. they're, like, fun, though? Or? I think they're fun. If you're, in, okay. if you're into, you know, like, um, up, down, left, right, A, B, sure. if you're into that, you're, yeah, they're fun. That's what you're doing? Okay. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like movies and things like that, even the TV show, because they 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 milk the fuck out of RoboCop for yeah, well, because it's a, like a it's decade. an interesting character, and he's a great. Nobody character. seems to be able to be able to like hone in on what made the first one so special, and I really think that's because Paul Verhoeven is a fucking maniac, yeah. and he was just like, Bruh! and he's not even there anymore. And what made RoboCop so special and so unique in its satire? And it's kind of like subversive comedy was all Paul Verhoeven. Mm. And now they try and replicate that and bring it into other things, but he's not around. That's why the new RoboCop really just kind of like went for the idea like a robot cop. It's crazy. What a what a fun idea. The thing is like it, the idea is so fucking ridiculous that you can't take it seriously. Right. So why are you trying to make it a serious thing? Right. Also, okay, so either give me Give give Bebe the animated reimagining, and you, you, you don't make RoboCop three. You can give me RoboCop two. So it's RoboCop one, RoboCop two, a reimagining, a reinterpretation of what a third movie in that franchise could have been, and that's the animated series for me. Mm-hmm. Give me that. Or when Dennis Villanueva, uh, he's doing Dune, right? Is that his next movie? Denis Villeneuve, yeah. Yeah. So after that. Give him, give him Robocop. He remakes Robocop. I'd love that. And he just fucking crushes it. He just crushes it. He makes it funny. He makes it exactly what that interpretation should have been. And that would just be perfect. Can you imagine if Denis Villeneuve wasn't doing Dune and when they fired uh, Colin Trevorrow from episode 9, they were like, Yo, Denis. Go over here. We like that Blade Runner movie you got there. Go over here. Why don't you, uh... Why don't you, uh... Yeah. You like redoing Can you imagine stuff? getting episode 9 from Denis Villeneuve? Uh, no, the thing is, like... Okay. It would be... I still think he'd be a really good fit for RoboCop. Totally, yeah. Yeah, I think it'd be great. But back to Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> the problem with Denis Villeneuve doing episode 9 is it would be the greatest art house Star Wars movie ever made. Because you know he's going to be a little fucking dick about it. He's just going to make it the most visually appetizing, perfect movie. 
But it's gonna feel. It would feel so disjointed. I think from the other two. I don't know. I feel like you Last think Jedi is a pretty it? big art house Star Wars film. I agree. But just I think, in the right way where it's like it's like almost it as does, if they're like all these things that we're doing is pretty aggressive, but we still want to appease the fans. But but I think Last Jedi feels Whoops. like it's a good. I think Last Jedi feels like it's a. It feels like it's a sequel to Force Awakens, right? Yeah, it's crazy. It works as like its own film and yeah, also and as, as, like as a part sequel. of it. Serious, yeah, it's really, really insane. Yeah, really. Bad movie, yeah, totally. Yeah, that right, movie yeah. sucks. Robocop. Uh, I think we pretty much uh, covered, covered all this. Did you have anything else? In Let's your... See if there's any uh, fun. That's just not a paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robocop's POV interface is MS DOS. The villain uses an Apple-based OS for when they go into their POV modes. So Robocop's is like Microsoft, and then the other guys, Kane. Is uh, OS. Is that fun? Thank you guys so much for joining us on this episode of Overdrink. Kane's Robo Design was a cross between a bodybuilder and a medieval knight, which he does kind of look. Is that bad. your observation? No, or is, is that something, this is something read? I read? This is oh, like, I was, was like, how did you draw that, that? That was the design philosophy behind him. But if you look at it, it's kind of. It does look really neat. It does have that medieval knight kind of. How do you of, like, feel helmet. about the weird pop out? screen love this. it that's fucking cool it's that funny. is my fucking cut of cheese right there yeah give me give me more of that i i am so happy he doesn't like say anything he's just like yeah because <laughs> all that's left is just like emotions like raw it's again there's so many <laughs> that shot of his brain and spine and the eyes and just, just like looking. watching the doctors like messing around with his empty skull in front of him and it's just like dun dun Dun, dun. The thing is, that's really cool, but it doesn't thematically match up with having him be like this religious. Oh, no, not at all. all. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's insane. Mm-hmm. It's like, why do you guys start so many cool things and you don't capitalize on them at all? I honestly think it's because they were like, wouldn't this be fun in the moment? And yep. they were changing the script as they were shooting and they didn't realize like that's what the script is. It's structure. And they were just kind of losing it. Uh-huh. And that's what sucks about it, man. Give me a but tip. I like the movie. I think the movie's fun and I'm glad that you at least... I you found I, it entertaining. I found it entertaining. I really enjoyed it. I'm I'm not disappointed. I had to watch it. Um, there are times where I watch something I'm disappointed by it, but I really like the podcast that mm-hmm. we have to do about it. I like the movie. I think for what it is, it's a lot of fun. But I think for as interesting as a character that I think RoboCop is, it's very disappointing. And I really hope that someone. It's not like people hating capitalism and people criticizing police force and. Police brutality and corporate and people like not agreeing with corporations. That is, those are still issues today. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you can't have a good RoboCop story today. I just hope fucking someone does it. I really hope it's really do. disappointing. I, I'd like it if they tried to pick it up too, because this is one where it's like it, the the first one's so good, you're never gonna. It's never gonna ruin it. No. No matter how many bad Robocop adaptations you're going to come out, you're never gonna ruin it. We've had a bunch. (laughs) And the first one still Still remains like, fuck yeah, dude. I buy that for a dollar. I buy that for a dollar. Uh, Robbie, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me, Birch. This has been Robotalk, (gasps) episode two. Uh, No, it's just called Overdrinkers. Yeah. Uh, we can't do a whole series on the because so, we're just gonna be upset the whole time. Join us this time next year. We'll figure out something where we will probably talk about RoboCop three. That seems about right. Yeah, you if gotta, I really, you gotta we, wait a year. If we really hate it, 
then we'll just skip all oh, the other I really bullshit. hate it. Well, if I really hate it. You will really hate it. Peter Weller doesn't even play Robocop. I don't want to watch that. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, maybe we'll just do the the new one then. Oh, no. You need to see Robocop 3. <laughs> you have to who see plays, that movie. Who plays Robocop? Dan. Dan, the they guy? Got, they got Dan to they do got it. Dan? <laughs> they got no Dan one, to do yeah, it. No one fucking likes Dan. No one fucking likes Dan. Dan's but he was available and he was like, like, yeah, Dan's sure. interpretation of Wada was not good. And they either. do like <laughs> face makeup to make him look like Peter Weller. I mean, I guess it's not, as long as he has... It's not that hard, but it's like, you know that's not him. The thing is like, if I can see that that Robocop doesn't have some mighty DSLs, dick mm-hmm. sucking lips. Yeah, I know. Uh, then I'm not in. I'm not in. No. My, my Robocop... My hashtag RoboCop had some mighty DSLs. We can all agree on that. Thank you guys so much for joining <laughs> us today. Uh, remember, uh, you can go to storyscreenbeacon.com, find more podcasts, articles, reviews, written about a bunch of great movies. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at story underscore screen underscore beacon. Uh, we got a lot of fun over there, and we're going to start doing some uh, fun uh, sweepstakes competitions to give away some free stuff. We want to give you guys uh, some movies and stuff that we really dig we so that we can talk about shit. them. We want to give we you guys free, give shit. guys free shit. So Come go on. on over there, follow us, like some stuff. Uh, if you're listening to us on iTunes, please rate and subscribe if you're not subscribed already and if you haven't rated already. And um, be sure to uh, listen to more podcasts from Story Screen Presents. This is Overdrinkers. It's a lot of fun. We get drunk, talk about some movies, mm-hmm. uh, but we also have hot takes for newer movies, older movies, where we watch them fresh. And we come on in there. Drop the take hot. Hot takes. Hot takes about to jump off because we're hitting some some big movies coming up soon. Mm-hmm. You uh, are you are one of the hosts of hot takes. I'm one of the hosts of hot takes. You I'm, guys got I'm, a pretty good schedule coming up. Yeah, it's it's kind of been tough scheduling, but we're gonna make it happen. I definitely I, Isle of Dogs comes out soon. I think that might be the next new movie that we're tackling. A little bit of a dry spell. 2018. We got Black Panther. You know, hot fire. Right over left. But um, I think Isle of Dogs is the next big guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, Hurricane Heist, obviously. The Hurricane Heist. The yeah, Hurricane totally, Heist yeah. is my is my number two so far this year. Mm-hmm. It's Black Panther, Hurricane Heist, and then we also got some solid. Uh, I mean, South by Southwest just happened, and there's a lot so of movies that just got good, picked yeah, up. So we're going to get some serious, streaming drops. Some on a serious drops. note, Hereditary is coming out pretty soon. That's cool. On a serious note, we are going to get some hot takes. Is about to blow up. We're going to be getting some like real good. Indie flicks, some big budget stuff. We're going to be hitting uh, April and May soon, which we're going to get some really big movies. Solo, Infinity War on the horizon. Mm, Solo, yeah. God, I'm so, I am so fucking excited for that movie. I'm like, Aren't you fucking jammed for that movie, man? Am I excited? Fucking about, Solo. It's Han Solo's I, origin story. Shut the fuck up. It's the, thing it's, we always, <laughs> it's the thing we always wanted. How did Han Solo become a scoundrel? Where did he get the vest? Where did he get the fucking Where'd vest? Where did that gun come from? Where did he get the gun? Why are him and Chewie friends? Yeah. I've been asking this for 30 years, and I'm only 27. I'm fucking sick of this shit. Yeah, the I'm wait is over. The wait is over, motherfucker. I'm gonna find out where he gets that fucking vest. Who the fuck is Woody Harrelson? I the only okay. Why is it another heist movie? Why are you trying to make him be like okay? I no saw more Star Rogue Wars. One. We're not doing I Star Wars. Rogue we can one. talk about this when the mic's off. That's fine. Yeah. We're not talking about. Like somewhere else. Okay. Uh, thank you guys again so much for joining us. Uh, We'll see you next time. Uh, Robbie, again, thank you so much for, thank uh, you for having welcoming me. me into my own home Yes, that I live in. I'm glad that uh, you <laughs> were in your house again. Mm-hmm. You can see I have pictures of your family all over the place. It's weird because I didn't even know I had those. Mm-hmm. Well, I, yeah, I took them. 
All right. Ah. All right, guys. Thank you so much. We'll see you later. And uh, definitely go watch RoboCop 3 now. Waste makes haste, for time is fleeting. It's the thought that counts. <laughs>